The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hot, hot, hike! Welcome back. This is Making Monsters. I'm Taylor Dahl. That's Dylan Ryan. And uh, it feels like it's been a little bit, Dylan, because we did our our offensive line episode. And that one we did so early in the week that I feel like we haven't recorded in two weeks. But that's not true. Um, but that one was really fun. Again, thanks to Olin. If you have not listened to the offensive line one, go listen to it. Olin told us a lot of really good things. Um, and now the offensive line is even more beat up. So Tevin, unfortunately, is out. Luckily, that injury isn't worse than what it was. When you see neck injury and you see a player getting put on a stretcher, that's scary. That I mean, is- especially someone that has a history of back problems. Yeah. You know, that's something that you see and you're very much like not only concerned about football, but it's just like your life going forward. So I'm really yeah. happy he's okay. So. Me too. I, I honestly, I was super scared. And I was so, we were out celebrating my birthday slash watching the Bears game slash watching the Jags game. So there was like a lot going on. And I happened to just like turn around. And when I turned back around, it was just kind of like a huddle of players and or surrounding a player that was hurt, clearly. And I couldn't I didn't know who it was. And obviously they weren't showing the replay at that time. And you couldn't really tell. And but then they were showing one play and the play was David Montgomery running. So I at first thought it was David Montgomery. And I was like, oh, no, no, Tristan, I'm coming in. I was like, oh, no, not that that not that Tevin's any better, obviously. But I like my first reaction was that. And then I'm looking and I see David Montgomery standing there. I was like, okay, it's not David Montgomery. So I'm kind of going through the list of all the guys standing around the hurt player. And I was like, oh, God, I think it's Tevin. So I immediately hop on Twitter. And, of course, there's people going crazy about it. I text you right away. And I said, oh, God, Tevin Jenkins. And the worst part is I wasn't even able to watch the first half of the yeah. game. So I found this out over text. And I was yeah. like, of course. Because you had to work the Jags game. So you yeah. didn't even get to see what was going on. Yeah, it was. Ugh. Yeah. Uh, so it was very, very unfortunate. Um, but, like I said, thankfully, it seems like. It's not everyone's reiterating in that organization that it's nothing crazy serious and that Tevin will be okay. Um, We don't know if he'll be back this season. They haven't put him on IR or anything yet, but they have put Cody Whitehair on IR, right? Uh, yeah. Or no? His season's over anyway. Yeah. yeah, I mean, Um, at this point, it's not really, it's just an extra roster thought of anything at this point. So, so at this point, it looks like Braxton, Leatherwood, Riley Reef, Sam. And who am I missing? Uh, Braxton, 
it would be Leatherwood, mm-hmm. Sam, Sam Mustafert, um, Reef. Always oh. hurt. The guy we sent Schofield. No, who's the guy? That, oh my god, we're totally blanking on both of his name right now. He's always hurt. He was our center at the start of the year. What is going on right now? This is insane. <laughs> Let's see if we can find. I can't it. think of who I'm missing. He we're was gonna, our we're center. Gonna, in we're the gonna get there. The we're gonna get there. We're gonna get there. One sec, I got the not oh. Schofield. It's bothering me so much. One sec, this is insane. It's not Lucas Patrick because he's hurt. Um, no, I think it is Schofield. Okay, I think it is Schofield. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We kind of just both had a little bit of brain. Well, fart there. I was going to say Schofield, yeah. but yeah, yeah. You, you said Schofield, and then you're like, no, the guy we signed. So no, then yeah, you threw it me was. Off. I, I get Schofield. But anyways, who was yeah. the other guy we had at the beginning of the year? There was a Garby cut him at the beginning of the year. Um, I don't, I don't even remember. Not important. Not important. There was like Dozer got hurt at some point, and someone else. We've had too many offensive line combinations. It's been a lot. So now we're in, I think, our eleventh or twelfth different formation of our offensive line. But anyways, yeah, Braxton, Riley, Reef, Sam, Mustafer, Schofield, and uh, Leatherwood. Uh, Looks like that'll be the offensive line. Uh, for the last few weeks, which will be very interesting, and I'm very scared for Justin's life, um, because if some of the people that we had there, Tevin was our best offensive lineman, and he's gone. Uh, so obviously that's going to hurt. They already, as we talked with Olin, had to add, have to add some help for Braxton, and now they're going to have to have probably help that other side a little bit now too, which is really going to maybe leave Braxton out on an island, which Olin said we were going to have to do at some point to figure out if he can do it on his own. So I think Braxton, we might see him get tested a little more these last few weeks, and Buffalo will not be easy. Yeah, that defensive line's scary. Yeah, we'll get to that a little bit later. But So the game in general, honestly, I think was pretty good. (laughs) Like It looked like there was a brief moment where I was like, man, like, the Bears look better than the Eagles right now. Oh, yeah. And it was probably our best defensive game we've seen since the first few weeks. Um, the defense was actually getting to the quarterback a little bit and creating some pressures, and we had multiple turnovers, and those are all of the things that we've been waiting to happen, and to do that against an offense like Philly um, was honestly really exciting because Jalen Hurts is a good quarterback. Jalen Hurts can run and throw. He has A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith, who, granted, they both had a lot of yards, but it could have been way worse with the way that things were going at a certain point of that game. Um, I was really impressed with Jalen Johnson for yeah. the most of the game. Like he was battling with AJ Brown, yeah. and like he definitely had a few plays where he ended up getting them. But like, I think there was a one basket catch that AJ Brown had for like forty yards or something. Like Jalen could have done literally nothing. Yeah, if, like he I would have to have jumped like five feet in the air yeah. to try and block this pass. And yeah, you're talking would, about Jalen Johnson. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He would have had to like get that high because that, that happened twice. J- happened to Jalen Jones too, which will bring us to Ironically the step seven enough. in a minute. And same exact thing, like. Jalen Hurts couldn't have put the ball any more perfectly to where like Jalen Jones was like, man, like there's nothing else I could have done on that play. Like, I, yeah. and even everybody talking about it was like Jalen Johnson and Jalen Jones did their job. Like, like you, there's only so much you could do. You don't think of the Eagles really as like a throwing team, really. Like they do throw the ball, obviously, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith. And like, I wouldn't even think of Jalen Hurts. Like he's definitely proved he's more than a running back at this point. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of all the detractors before the season, but. I don't think of I think of them more as like a run first, you know, like Miles Sanders, mm-hmm. uh, Jalen Hurts, these those guys, and they decided to air it out and it worked for them. But yeah. Jalen well, got hurt in the process. I wouldn't even say they're more of a running team this year um, because the whole storyline this year has been like, man, you added AJ Brown to your team and you can throw the ball now. Yeah. Um. It it just 
oh God, if Justin Fields had AJ Brown and Devonta Smith this year, I like we would have ten wins. Yeah, we actually touched a quarterback too, which is another thing. That's was, what I was saying. We yeah. had pressure, we had sacks, we had turnovers. Defense, I think, played their best game since the beginning of the season. Um, since those first probably three games, uh, and then obviously the offense is just it. Justin did what Justin can do. Um, Mooney's out now. Khalil's still out. Chase Claypool wasn't playing. It was literally Dante Pettis and I don't even know how to say that one guy's name. The Simba, whatever, were our two leading receivers. Yeah. And David Montgomery. I mean, like, that just, it just shows where we're at with this team. Right now. It's as bare bones as it gets in terms of the actual talent outside of Justin on the offense yeah. right now. David Montgomery's exciting. He's fun. Outside of that, there's not one guy that I'm just like, he's even for sure like, you know, long-term part of going to be part of this team. Yeah. So it's a lot of question and marks and I, potential, but no one really sold themselves. Yeah, and I think that that's like a way, a good way to put it because I think a lot of people look, see some of these guys as like Nikhil Harry. I think people are still rooting for him to make the team because you see splashes of things and you've been able to see him make some incredible catches and you're just hoping that maybe if we get another like stud receiver and it's whoever, T. Higgins and Darnell Mooney, and Chase Claypool and Nikhil Harry, that could be kind of dangerous, you know? Um, Equinemius, we've talked about a lot. He just has dropped too many passes this season to win me over. Um, his blocking ability is great, but eventually, like, we need people to catch the ball also. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think the game, honestly, I mean, 25-20, a one-score game was, with Philly, who's lost you, one there game. There's a good portion of the game where I'm just like, oh, crap, we're going to win. Yeah, like, I, I was like, this is, of course, we're going to win this what, game. This is like, what happens. We're, we're, we're going to lose to the Packers, and then we're going to beat the Eagles. And it's yeah. just like, of course. But, yeah. hey, we ended up pulling it out. We got the loss. <laughs> we got the loss. And uh, we kept that draft pick nice and good. So Yes. Um, okay, Pringle, Montgomery, Komet, ESB. Oh, Webster who was who I was trying to think of. Yeah. He was the other guy that just, like, who is that? People are saying who? Who, who is yeah. that? Exactly. Yeah. That's what you're so if talking I about. told this list of people who want to argue about Justin Fields not being a good quarterback, and if I were to say, what would these wide receivers be on another team? Byron P Pringle, Eponemia St. Brown, the Simba Webster, Dante Pettis, Velas, who dropped another, and he's got to get it together, <laughs> or he's not going to have a job much longer. Yeah. Um, people would say who for most of them or maybe Pringle a third second third quarterback somewhere maybe I think on um, like contending teams some of them may not even make the roster yeah like our best outside of like Darnell Moody but he's not playing right now obviously I'm saying of like active guys yeah they might not even be on like the Bills or like the Eagles or you know those good teams actually so it's it's that bare bones right now and that's that's why we are where we are um, is because our offense is just not there and it's not Justin Fields <laughs> like Justin he Fields is, the is doing he's he, literally it yeah Um. so and and Montgomery yeah that the running game the run game in general is all that's there, and that's the run, pat, the run block, the run offense is it offensively. Um, so, anyways, but this we mentioned the name earlier, Jalen Jones. So this episode is a making monsters on Jalen Jones. I posted something on Twitter a few weeks ago, and I was like, "Who do you guys still want to see an episode on?" Like, here's the guys that we have done one on. You let me know. Um, we had a lot of Tevins and Braxton, so that's why we did the offensive line one last week, just because I figured if we bundled those over, and there's only so much insight I can give you on an offensive lineman, um, but someone like Olin Krutz can give you a lot of insight, so that's why we did that that way. Um, unfortunately, Darnell, Mo Darnell Mooney got hurt, so... Not saying I'm opposed to doing an episode one of these last couple of weeks on him, but that may be an off-season thing. You know, what do we do with Darnell once we know who, if we get another receiver or whatever that may go. We're still trying to get some Iowa State people, so if you guys want to reach back to us, I'd love to talk about this David Montgomery. This is so bad. Because <laughs> this is a contract year. Not to mention, 
I went to Iowa State. Yeah. I should have more contacts. No yeah. one's. I mean, the only problem is I'm just old now, and no one, no one that I know is still there. But they're they've been ghosting us left and right. Oh it's gosh. not great. So no. you know. So um, I got a lot of those names. I and then I got obviously Jalen Johnson, um, Kyler Gordon was one. We're working on that. Um, but Jalen Jones was another one. And Jalen Jones hasn't. I think he's only started two games this season, but. He, you constantly see him flashing, and it hasn't been consistently great because you just haven't seen enough to see that consistently great. But our secondary has been very beat up. Obviously, oh, yeah. we lost Eddie Jackson. Jaquan and Kyler missed time with, I think they both had concussions or one had a concussion. I think um, they both did, honestly. Yeah, Jalen yeah. Johnson missed a, cu- a little bit early. Um, so the secondary has been— Bill has been hurt, too. Bill got yeah. hurt, yeah. So there's been a lot of injuries. So we've seen this depth of the secondary— and I'll be honest with you, Dylan, I haven't noticed a major huge drop-off when those were happening. You do miss certain moments of Jalen Johnson or especially Jaquan Brisker, but you haven't, when they're not in the game, you haven't been like, oh God, like this is absolutely terrible without them. Yeah, I think prior to, when when Jalen first got on the roster, I don't think any Bears fans in the world knew who he was. I didn't know who he was. You know, I he was very much like one of the last guys on the team. And then he kind of had that game against, I don't remember who we were playing exactly. But Are you talking eight. about Jalen Jones? Did I say Jalen Johnson? Yeah. <laughs> I've been trying so hard this entire this episode. This episode is on Jalen Jones, everybody. To not say Jalen Johnson. <laughs> and like, it's just all the time. Jalen Jones. Yes. Anyways, but yeah. So the first game I really kind of like, like, wow, who's this guy? It was the 18 tackle game he had. Mm-hmm. And like, he's just all over the field. And ever since then, he kind of is always just a very solid player. Yeah. He's not one guy that you're just like, where the hell was he? What was he doing? Yeah. And he gets his job done. And like when you want a death piece in your backfield, that's who you want. Yeah. And that's what, so um, just to go through some of these numbers, first of all, the Bears defense, obviously we know has struggled. We, but the part of the defense that has struggled a lot, obviously, is the defensive line and the linebackers. Um, the secondary has held their own for the majority of the year. Has there been pieces of... Times where you're like, oh, that was bad. Yes, but I think a lot of it is, and we'll we talk to the Ole Miss coach a little later, and I think some of it is the fact that our front is so bad that it's putting a whole lot of pressure on that secondary because there's no pressure, there's no blitzing, there's nothing. To throw, yeah, you're you know? just hanging out, and you get to wait until your guy gets open, and there's only so long that a corner a corner isn't going to cover a, a very even the best of corners. It's very difficult for them to cover from sideline to sideline as a wide receiver is also running their I mean, routes at, for and, 40 yards. At the end yards. of the day, for most of it, they're running backwards. You know, like yeah. it's like not a very easy thing to do. And so the idea that like you have to do it for almost 10 seconds sometimes yeah. is like incredibly difficult. Yeah. So it's going to be hard for anyone, especially a backfield as young as ours. Because I remember there was like a few weeks ago where someone caught a, a touchdown over Kyler Gordon and the like left side of the end zone. Yeah. They're and like someone, we're running and they're like people are like, Oh, he gave up on the play. And I'm like, Yeah, he was covering him for five minutes. Yeah. Like there's it's that's not logical. That is not supposed to be, like what's supposed to be happening. Um, but the Bears defense obviously rushing has been an issue from the beginning, um, because the front is so bad. For example, we've allowed the I wanna say the most let me remember this. Um I'm trying to remember exactly. I got the numbers. Yeah, 24 touchdowns the Bears have allowed rushing. But insane. which is the most in the league. But they've allowed the six fewest passing touchdowns. They've only allowed 16 touchdown passing touchdowns this season. And to me, that's major credit to the secondary. Um because at that point I, I don't know if whether those the quarterbacks we have faced are scared to throw it against some of these guys like Jalen when they're healthy when it's Kyler and Jaden and Jaquan and Eddie um or if they know they can run the ball, so they are running a lot more on certain one, like you know, when it's a 
third and five or whatever and you're in the red zone, maybe you'll run and get that first down because you know we'll allow it. But still, to be in whatever week we're in, 15, and only allow 16 passing touchdowns for the season when you've allowed 24 rushing touchdowns for the season, I think looks pretty good on your secondary. So that's what this uh, episode is on Jalen Jones, but we are going to kind of real quick address some of the other secondary because, as you mentioned, our the starters are great, the depth are good, and there's a lot of things to kind of talk about coming in this next season. Because no more Dylan, Lamar Jackson. Yeah. He's gone. No more Lamar, he's gone. Um, and Dylan, I don't know about you, but there's probably three pieces total of this team that I'm comfortable with, and that's Justin Fields. The run game, and that's only if Montgomery stays. If Montgomery's gone, I still think we need another running back, too. Um, and our secondary. Yeah. Uh, other than that, every other thing from wide receivers to kickers to offensive line to defensive line to linebackers. Um, I guess I could say Trenton Gill. He's been playing. Like he's He nailed a couple the yeah. other night against the Eagles, too, where I was like, whew, that was good. Um, him, like I'm comfortable. Everything else, I'd say we need to seriously evaluate or reevaluate in this offseason. So let's just go so- over some of these numbers. Uh, Jalen Johnson, who we've mentioned many times, um, he has 11 starts on the season, seven passes defended, three of those coming against Philly. He was just on it during Philly. And I think it's a, a test of his like competitiveness too because he just flipped all week long. All they heard was like, you're going against A.J. Brown. You're going against A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. You're going to get killed. And Jalen was like, no, I'm not. I'm not going to get killed. Um, so... He had one. He has one forced fumble, one fumble recovery, 35 tackles, one tackle for loss, only one touchdown allowed um, this season, and a 58.8 completion percentage allowed. And that's as a number one corner, yeah. by the way. Yeah, it's not like getting, he, yeah he's getting the first guy. Yeah, he's getting the best. Um, so next on the list, Jaquan Brisker. He obviously has been struggling with some injuries too this year, but he does have 12 starts. He has one interception, one pass defended, one forced fumble, three sacks, 79 tackles, five tackles for a loss, three QB hits, and a 56.8 completion percentage allowed. Jaquan Brisker is my favorite player on defense. Oh my God, I love it. Without him. a doubt. I love it. He is. I got my Brisker jersey, yeah. and it is like, I literally, I love it. And I'm so glad I picked him because it. I already was excited towards the beginning of the season, and then I feel like he's just getting better. I mean, he's a textbook strong safety. Mm. Like, he's going to knock a guy's block off. He can cover as best as, you know, any other safety out there, really. And, like, he just is all over the field. I yes, love him. Me too. And thanks to Jaquan, Eddie got to go back to his natural position at free. And just and play the center had, field. Yeah. He's a pro bowler, even though they they juke. how do you say it, gypped him? Yeah, well, gypped him well, yeah because they, he took, had two they took two games. Yeah, yeah. He, had, he missed two games because he was on the IR. But since he was on the IR, they took about the Pro Bowl list. And I just hate like, it. Well, now we don't have any Pro Bowlers. So. And his numbers were insane. Eddie Jackson, four interceptions, six passes defended, two forced fumbles, 80 tackles, one tackle for loss. It's a 61.8 completion percentage um, allowed and only one touchdown allowed. Yeah. Eddie. Yeah. Eddie. But... Again, thanks to Jaquan, too, because Jaquan's playing so well, Eddie was able to go back to that free safety, which helps a lot. Um, another guy, Kyler Gordon. Kyler Gordon struggled in the beginning. People were a little worried, probably the first four like or month. five games, yeah, you'd say. Yeah, I'd say. Um, so think of that when you see these numbers, because I do want to go to like game by game for Kyler as I break these down, just because I want you to see the progress that Kyler's had, uh, because there was some like serious moments where we were like oh god we drafted this guy too high <laughs> yeah i mean at the beginning of the season he's getting picked on every single game yeah a lot 
which you were very level-headed about it the yeah. whole time and yeah. were like look back to Jalen Johnson yeah his it's a great first example. year like yeah. and you kept saying that and I was like yeah you know like people forget it's not easy to come in and play a starting role at that position right away and excel yeah and because they gonna, are going to pick on you yeah and like they know like this guy is a rookie like he yeah. like, corn, like most of the coaches we've spoken through this whole process I feel like have, I mean even this most recent coach when you go from the NFL for college to the NFL the transition for receiver for corners is insane. Mm-hmm. You're dealing with top of the line athletes across the field, and as I said earlier, it's such a difficult position. And the idea that like a guy like Sauce Gardner is able to get to be like a defensive player of the year candidate almost mm-hmm. as, as quick as he has blows my mind. Yeah. So like I am very impressed with what Kyler's I, done. So I you know he's slowly improving, and like I think he definitely is a solid number corner corner, corner number two for us. Yeah. So. I do think that Sauce being on a very good defense as a whole helps. Oh yeah, for sure. If Kyler Gordon was on the Jets, who has a dangerous defensive line also, and like pretty much their entire defense has some each some level of very good, um, help Sauce. I've watched a lot of clips of Sauce recently of people like, he gets called for nothing. Dude, he's, he has he's a also ton so good, of pass interferences yeah. that he does not get called on, and I think it's because like Jets defense are so good, and he's just one of those guys who are going to get the call right now because he's like going for rookie of the year. They don't even but try he does play really him. good. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, but yeah, so for uh, Kyler Gordon is what who I was talking about. So Kyler has had twelve starts, two interceptions, five passes defended, one forced fumble, one fumble recovery, fifty nine tackles, two tackles for loss, and this is the part where people probably criticize a little bit. Seventy five point four completion percentage allowed and two touchdowns, but. If we backtracked, and when we were saying he was struggling a lot, was within those first four, four, four or five weeks, I would say. Um, he really kind of flipped a switch at that point. I don't know exactly what happened, but something did, and lights turned on, and Kyler has slowly gotten better and better and better. So when you look at that, for example, of the 59 tackles, 40 have been since week five. Of the two interceptions, one uh, both have been since week five. Of the past five passes defended, three have been since week five. So those numbers have just been, like I said, progressively getting better. And when you go through game by game, his completion percentage allowed two, it's got it's lessened the more he's got in. There's also there's obviously the games where it kind of skews a little bit, um, but he's just one of the guys that have been really fun to watch and just slowly get better and better because it makes me comfortable that he can be the guy next year. Yeah, I mean, he's someone that's willing to work on his game and improve himself, and that's kind of really what <laughs> I want in a player. He's shown he's got the athletic skill. He's shown he's got, you know, the know-how to do the position. It's just actually putting it all together and competing at a high level. And he's started to get better, so I'm really encouraged with what I've seen. I agree. And um, so another guy, uh, Kendall Vildor, we talked to a lot. We've talked about a lot. Um, I've apologized already. I feel bad because I talked very badly about Vildor, and he's actually held his own. Has he been absolutely tremendous? No. But some of these guys, like I said, are coming in and taking the spots of guys like Jalen Johnson and Jaquan Brisker and Eddie Jackson, and that's not easy to do. Um, And you don't see a major drop-off. But this year, in nine starts for Vildor, he's had one interception, five passes defended, 34 tackles, two tackles for loss. He's allowed a 65.8 completion percentage, and he has allowed three touchdowns. Um, That's obviously where the criticism comes in with Vildor, and a lot of people just see those touchdowns and not the things that he's doing on plays that aren't in the red zone. Yeah, and like not to mention that, that you can't talk about in the stats, one of Eddie's picks this year was yeah. directly because Kendall Vildor, Kendall Vildor. Yeah. defended the pat yes. and it batted it to Eddie. So like, that was a wild one. Yeah, those are one fun. of those things where it's like you're seeing him do things on the field that's just like this guy is making positive plays overall. Yes. Uh, so that was Vildor. Another guy we cannot go through this podcast without talking about 
uh, Chicago Bear for life, DeAndre Houston Carson. <laughs> um, I'm kidding. I don't know if he will be, but he's already been here for a lot of years. And every year when he's asked to step in and play, he makes plays. Yeah. I was going to say, he reminds me a lot of Sherrick McManus, where he's yes. just a guy that was with the Bears forever, you yeah. know, and did a lot of special teams, was a good special teams guy for us a long time. And Stepped in when we need to. So yeah, so um, he's had three starts and fourteen games, one interception, one pass defended, one forced fumble, twenty-seven tackles, two tackles for loss, one QB hit, thirty-seven point five completion percentage allowed when DeAndre Houston Carson's out there. Um, and he, I think he's played in every game, but only three starts. But he's out there, so uh, under forty percent completion percentage. Love it. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna go through quick this. We have a guest coming up, so I want to get to that. Um, Josh Blackwell, another young guy. That uh, undrafted also that we've been seeing a lot out on the field a little more recently that's been making a lot of plays. Um, he's only had one start, but he's played in several games, 14, I think. Uh, one forced fumble, 14 tackles, 62.5 completion percentage, no touchdowns allowed. Um, and what we're talking about this episode is Jalen Jones. Jalen Jones has two starts on 14 games. He has one forced fumble, 40 tackles. Uh, 64.9 completion percentage allowed, zero touchdowns. Uh, so he's... One of the ones that has also been thrown out there in injuries, so we've seen them a lot more lately. And again, I think the numbers don't totally show you what all he's done because if people are noticing, if casual watchers are telling me on Twitter, I want to know more about Jalen Jones, he's doing something right on the field. Yeah, you know? I mean, he's one of those guys where, like, as I said earlier, I had no idea who he was coming into the year. I don't think any Bears fans really did, but like... Mm-hmm. His play on the field was just like, oh, who's that? Who's that Jones guy? You know, mm-hmm. and then like slowly over time, it's like, oh yeah, Jalen Jones. He makes plays for us. You know. Yes. Um, all right. Well, we have two guests this episode, um, so we are going to talk to uh, the high school coach from Allen, Texas, Allen High. Sorry, uh, for Jalen Jones. His name is Tom Westerberg, and he is highly, uh, highly. Talented, regarded. highly regarded, regarded yes. highly has a ton of awards, however you want to word that. Jalen um, won three state titles in his time there, if you insane. want to get an idea. Super cool. And then we also talked to Coach Buckley, who is now the Orlando Guardians head um, XFL head coach, but he was the defensive back coach or the corner back coach at Ole Miss and coached Jalen Jones. So we'll get to both of those guys, um, and then we'll chat a little bit about the game this weekend. All right, now we are joined by Coach Tom Westerberg. He is the head coach of Salado High, your alma mater. So congratulations, Coach. I know that's super cool to go back to a place where you spent your career playing and learning and being a high school student. But you were also the former head coach at Allen High in Texas. Many players pump out of this high school, including a name that a lot of people may recognize in Kyler Murray. So that's really cool. Um, three yep. straight titles in Texas they had, and at, at Allen High they had, which seems like a pretty big deal, especially out of Texas, Coach, because you guys pump out some football players there. It's, uh, it was a great accomplishment. Uh, we, we went on a pretty good run right there. All right. Well, let's jump into Jalen Jones, who we are here to talk about Um he let's just go back to the beginning a little bit in 2013 as a sophomore Jalen was co-defensive newcomer of the year so coach to me seems like already at that point there were glimpses that this kid was going to be good and going to be able to excel potentially what did you see that young that showed he had potential he was just uh the work ethic that he had uh he was always uh always willing to learn uh not only the position he played and trying to learn other positions and was kind of a kind of trying to uh, master the craft of of playing defensive back and and uh, in the 2013 team that he played on was uh, probably one of the 
probably ranked up there in one of the uh, best teams uh, that he started on as a sophomore, one of the best teams in the state of Texas in the history of it. Uh, it's uh, it's ranked up there pretty high with the number of players that came off of that team and that are still playing in the NFL. So, uh, obviously, college, I mean, college, high school football is it's a religion down there in Texas. And we're in Florida, so obviously we have somewhat of an understanding of how important it is, but it feels like it's just yep. another level there. So I got to ask, how important do you think he was a piece for winning those three state championships on defense? Uh, oh, it's huge. Uh, just uh, just <clears throat> his athletic ability and his, and his knowledge and uh, was a great uh, special teams player for us. Also returned uh, kicks and punts and block punts and, and did all kinds of things for us on special teams as a as a young as a young player. We have already seen some glimpses of versatility from Jalen. We'll get to that in a little bit because obviously there's several traits to be able to be a successful corner or safety, a defensive back in general that you need at playing any level. Uh, speed's definitely one of those, and Jalen notched I think a fourth. 3-8 at one point, a 440 official. Um, so he definitely right. has the speed size. Um, it, but toughness is a major part of it, and I think we've already seen that on the Bears. This kid likes to tackle. Is a, the toughness side something you would say Jalen Jones has? Oh, yeah. he's uh, He played safety for us, uh, and um, then we also used him over on the offensive side every once in a while at running back and uh, is, is not afraid of hitting. I mean, that's what you want to see in a player. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, if you ask me, it's, it's pretty important to hit the guy in football. So uh, you, you got to be able to like contact. A yeah. Bit. Yeah. So Jalen obviously didn't have the easiest to go with things at Ole Miss. Uh, you know, things got off to a pretty good start. And then there's COVID, some injuries, and he ended up going undrafted. Um, have you been able to communicate with him really since then? And how would you think he's handled it if you were able to? You know, that just goes to show who he is and the character of him. It's uh, his work ethic. Uh has always been always had a real positive attitude uh and and that's what happened on you know the years at Ole Miss when he was hurt he was you know still still grinding to get better and work and working to get better and uh and sticking it out knowing that uh in the end you know he was going to try to try to make it into the NFL and and here he is yeah, I mean, we've been super excited, and it's a honestly, Ryan Poles and uh, Matt Eberflus for the Bears have done a really good job in, in the later round picks and the undrafted guys, honestly. So it's been really cool to see some of these guys succeed. But I want to, what about his progression through those few years from his sophomore to senior year? Uh, what did you see out of his confidence of each of those years as he was getting closer to the commitment and going into college? Just, uh, you know, he, he just, his leadership ability, he was, uh, uh, and Allen's a huge high school, and and we had uh, you know quite a few good players. But he was a two-time uh, captain. He was a captain on the 2014 and and 15 season, and so uh, just his leadership skills and and uh, and his work ethic really. So, coach, you've obviously had quite a number of athletes come through you under your program since you've been there. Uh, Kyler Murray, being a really successful guy, ended up going number one overall in the NFL draft. And you got a guy like Jalen Jones who ends up, you know, becoming undrafted and still having some success in the NFL so far. What does yep. it mean to you as a coach to see guys achieve that level of success, even though it's not necessarily all in the same route? Ah, uh, it's, it's it's a lot of fun. We've had uh, we've had good players over the years, and and uh, and like like you said, they've they've come out. Uh, and gone all the way from, you know, the Kyler getting picked one as, you know, to, to several guys that have uh, made it as free agents and, and some guys that have bounced in and off of practice squads. It's always, uh, it's always a great, uh, uh, a great accomplishment to the guys that coached them and their families and, 
and the players themselves and their work ethic. Yeah, you mentioned, Coach, there's obviously you've had a lot of good players and you mentioned that sophomore team that he was on. But was there a certain point for Jalen Jones that you were watching him and you were like, okay, this kid could be an NFL player? Yeah, just uh, you know, as, as as we're playing even young, uh, you know, 2014, 13 and 14 and, and playing in the Dallas area where we are, there are uh, there are several teams uh we played DeSoto every year DeSoto just won the state their uh second state championship this year and and just the number of players that we played against that he had to cover and uh and the level that he had to play at in high school um you could see in his work ethic and trying to master the craft of playing defensive back you could you could see that he was going to be successful would you say that kids coming playing high school or at least high level high school football in Texas have a leg up on pretty much any other state in the country? Um, you know, I, I'm going to say that uh, just because the level that the, the level of kids that we had to play against, uh, you know, those those guys when they got to college, uh, you know, they had played against a bunch of those guys already, and so uh, you know, it's a uh, it's a uh, it's a hard road up in the Dallas area to get out of there and and even down in the Houston area. I mean, there's, there's some, there's some great high school players and playing at the, at the highest level of five, a six, a football. Uh, it's, uh, you know, it, it doesn't, it doesn't get any better than that. I love it. I, I don't know. Um, one of my favorite shows ever was Friday night lights and that was Texas football. Like Texas forever <laughs> was the thing. So I've always been kind of pumped about Texas high school football, but coach, one of the things that I think is sometimes heavy for players is that recruiting process. Obviously you're talking, it's, maybe a little stressful you're forming relationships with coaches and figuring out where you want to move your life to and also where you want to get academics from and you're moving away from family and there's a lot of things involved Jalen a four-star corner and most of the rankings was looking to continue his career and ended up at Ole Miss obviously but what was that process like for him do you remember him being confident about it do you remember him being able to handle all of the all of the commotion well yeah he did uh he, he had a there was another player that went with him uh, Greg Little. Mm-hmm. Uh, Greg Little was an offensive tackle. He's playing <laughs> playing for the Dolphins right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, those two were both seniors together, and, and both went to went to Ole Miss. And so, uh, you know, they had a, kind of a you know familiarity with each other. And and uh, you know, Jalen, he's it doesn't matter. There's not a whole lot of things that phase him. I mean, he's gonna put his head down and work. Uh, his work ethic is second to none, uh, and just his. Uh, confident level in himself and so he handled he handled all that with uh, first class yeah it's funny honestly mentioning greg little it reminds me of a picture i remember seeing of him and kyler in high school and just the drastic difference between them it's just like yeah these guys play the same sport pretty crazy <laughs> so uh, yeah. <laughs> something, uh something else i wanted to talk about is uh not only on the field jalen but off the field jalen what would you say was just like in the locker room interacting with the teammates and just as a guy well just you know like like i said earlier he was a, a two-time captain and we didn't have too many of those uh mostly most of our captains were seniors and and he had the the leadership skills to uh to to be able to be a two-time captain and just uh he's a lot of fun off the field i mean he's a he's a you know a happy go lucky guy and and uh but when it's time to work he can flip the switch and flip the switch and say all right it's time to work but uh uh you know the, the kids loved him so right now, Coach, for the Bears, the Bears' secondary is 
very young. I think we have two, well, three rookies, actually, starting at this moment. Another guy who's in his third year, and even more are starting to step up now because Eddie Jackson got hurt. But he's sitting behind another guy named Jalen Johnson, who is looking like a very good starting corner right now in the league. How would you say that Jalen Jones is in the patience of possibly having to wait wait a little bit to have his turn at the starting position? You know, like I said earlier, he's just going to keep working. Uh, he's going to put his head down, and he's going to do uh, whatever they ask him to do. And uh, he's going to do it at the best of his ability and, and, and go to work. And so, uh, you know, if you call that patience, it's, he has it. But, uh, you know, he, he's not going to be a one to, to sit back and just take not, uh, not playing, if you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. He's going to put his, he's gonna put his head down and try to work hard enough to uh, get looked at to be able to get back out on the field. So something I've always been really curious about, and you probably have a lot of experiences, the actual recruiting side of it. And when you have a guy like as big of a recruit as Kyler Murray, I mean, he was the number one dual threat quarterback in his class. I knew who Kyler was as a high schooler back then. I remember seeing him on ESPN and all that stuff. And then you got other guys like Greg Little, Jalen John- Jalen Jones, another example. How do you try to handle the recruiting? Do you try and keep some space between the coaches and all of them and the recruiters? Or do you try and, you know, let them mesh a little bit? You know, I I don't. I just, uh, at that time, uh if they need, if they wanted help, we were there to help them. Uh, we we never got real involved and said, okay, you know, you're not going to school here, you're going to school here. We didn't do any of that. That was all up to them and their families. Uh, uh, most of the re- most of the big recruits uh, uh, and those coaches uh, I, I talked to and came through my office. Uh, we had a lot of kids going into college at the time. Uh, I think one class we may have signed 11 or 12 D1 kids out of wow. one class. And so, uh, you know, there was, there was quite a few coaches coming in and out of Allen High School. And so it was uh, one of our coaches was a basically a full-time recruiting coordinator for our high school. And uh, so between he and I and a couple other coaches, we kind of handled all of those guys coming through to, to, to make sure they, uh, you know, our, our kids got looked at. And, and so it was kind of a, kind of uh, all together with their families, sit down with their families, sit down with the coaches, sit down and kind of go through the whole thing all together. It was a, we, we had a pretty big organization going at that time. Yeah. When you got, when you have someone that's dedicated full time to recruiting in high school, you got some pretty good (laughs) squad. That's for sure. So I don't know. I don't know what you're feeding them out there, coach, but it sounds like it's something (laughs) maybe some of us should look at a couple more for you before we let you go. If you could point out one athletic trait that Jalen Jones has that will help him Keep keep succeeding, and now the NFL. What would you say that is? I think his instincts, uh, just uh, the instincts for playing the game and learning. The, you know, he's he's learned the game over the years and is still learning. But I, I think his instincts are are second to none. Important. Very yeah, I'd important. say that's pretty important. <laughs> uh, swinging back around to the your current team, who are some guys in your uh, current squad at Salado that you're really excited about going forward? You know, we have, uh, Salado's a little different. Uh, I've kind of, uh, uh, you know, after I left Allen, I went down to the Houston area and then I, then I tried my hand at trying to be a straight AD for a little bit. Didn't like that too much. And, and now I'm back, uh, at a smaller school. We're a four AD two school, uh, have, uh, have a couple of guys, Garrett Combs, a defensive tackle fixing to come out, have, uh, uh, have a quarterback, uh, uh, Luke Law, who's, uh, Probably about six six, about two thirty. That's going to have a chance to play in college. Sounds like a D one uh, player to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, both of both of those guys are going to have a pretty good opportunity. Garrett Combs is 
about six three, about uh, two forty, two forty five. He's a DN for us, and so I think he's going to have a chance to come out and play, and and so is Luke. This blows my mind. You're describing high schoolers at that size. <laughs> like I'm, yeah. I am 25 years old. I am five ten and 155 pounds. You know, like I, those guys can murder me with their left hand if they wanted to. So. Uh, it's always no. fun. Oh, go ahead. There, there's some, there's some, there's some big kids nowadays. Oh yeah, there are, and that's what I. So I also will sometimes do sideline reporting for high school. Like we said, high school football in Florida is pretty big too and so we have a whole Friday night thing that goes on for the local high school here and there's times when I'm doing sideline reporting interviewing a kid who's like 10 years younger than me and he towers over me and I'm like okay this is and I'm not a short I'm not completely short um coach are you are you a Cowboys fan you mentioned Dallas, well, so that's what I'm asking. I, I am, yeah. I am a Cowboys fan. Okay, um, so that I'm just mentioning it. Obviously, you guys have a big game this weekend now against Gardner Minshew. At least you're not facing Jalen Hurts. Um, you're but, welcome. <laughs> 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 but um, we have here at 1010XL, one of the guys is a name I'm sure you're very familiar with, Coach Dave Campo, who was a uh-huh. coach for Dallas for a while, works with us here at 1010XL. And it's funny because you mentioned you weren't a fan of the athletic director role, so you wanted to go back to coaching. And Coach Campo cracks me up because he coached forever, and he his wife yep. finally convinced him to get out of coaching, but now he's here at the radio station talking about football five days a week. Every day. <laughs> <laughs> he's in his element. That's what you can say. That yeah. is. All right. Well, thank you so much, Coach, for talking to us. Um, good luck. I know you guys are pumping them out out there, so I'm sure we'll hear some more players in the next couple years getting drafted from Texas or near you or from you. All right. That's awesome. I appreciate y'all. All All right. Thanks. Have a good one. All right. Bye. All right, now we are joined by Coach Terrell Buckley, current head coach of XFL's Orlando Guardians. Coach, you are just down the road from us because we both actually work in Jacksonville, so it's a, it's very convenient, and we've heard a lot about the uh, the Guardians the last year or so. Um, but you are also former Florida State corner, in addition to 13-year NFL career with Super Bowls, Pro Bowls, 50 interception career, which is kind of crazy. I want to talk about that a little bit, too, a little later. But you also are the, for, the former coach of Bears corner Jalen Jones at for Ole Miss, uh, the cornerback coach there, his uh, senior year, and then also he had the extra year of eligibility, so that second senior year. Um, But I want to start, Coach, because obviously you played for the Seminoles for a long time and were a big name in that school. How do you feel right now about Jordan Travis and Mike Norvell and what they're doing at Florida State? I feel awesome. Because of what I'm doing now, being a head coach, I've had a little time uh, to go up and, and spend with those guys and Last spring, I saw something that reminded me a little bit about what we were doing when I played at Florida State, how they practice, the intensity, uh, paying attention to detail, and the talent pool. So I saw that in the spring, and the biggest challenge always is getting that that type of play and attitude from spring to the fall. And Coach Mark Norvell, and Travis and the rest, especially that defense, mm-hmm. they've been able to transfer that not all the way enough to get on the radar. I agree. It's been really fun to watch the Knowles this season, honestly. And like you said, that defense has been killer. It's been really fun to watch them and just what Norvell's been able to do with some of the talent offensively. But um, one more kind of Bears-related question before we get to Jalen Jones, because as I was reading about you, um, it said you were a distant cousin of Walter Payton. Is that true? That is true. I am currently, uh, I was just going through some stuff, and I have one of 
Rest in peace. Uh, his, his jersey I'm about to put on my wall. Yes, that okay. is true. I love it. Walter is obviously a hero to us, um, all pretty much any Bears fan, even if you were alive during that time or not. You love Walter Payton. So that was really cool to read, um, which automatically kind of connects us a little bit with that. But let's talk about Jalen. So Jalen coming out of high school in, te- in Allen, Texas, which obviously pumps out athletes because Kyler Murray also went there and several other NFL names. But he was highly recognized already coming into college. Four-star, four-star corner, rated the nation's ninth best corner and 11th best safety. Um, progressively increased those first couple years. Um, unfortunately, suffered an injury his junior year and ended uh, in the season opener. So that messed up that season. Um, the next season, he had a redshirt junior, was able to excel a little bit that season. Now his 2020 redshirt season was when you took over. Unfortunately, he did suffer an injury after four games, but tell us what you saw within those first four games of that season and how you wanted Jalen to come back even stronger that next year. Well, what I saw, first of all, I think you have to have, people don't realize is is uh, high uh, intelligence football IQ. And Jalen, sometimes that hurts guys. And Jalen had that, which allows you to play multiple positions. So I was so excited about him at corner and the way he was working, uh, his explosion, and, and just all the things that you want, his work ethic. And the other guys, we had some other guys that were not doing that at safety. And Jalen had the size and the intellect to be able to move in and play safety for us too. So he ended up doing corner safety, and star for us before he got hurt, which is unheard of. Mm-hmm. Uh, very, very impressive. Yeah, honestly, I think it really makes sense a lot with what you see with on the bear. He's a very, he's one of their death pieces. He's very versatile to kind of put him all over the field. Um, something I was wondering a lot about how Jalen handled this. So coming out of high school, he was obviously a pretty highly rated recruit. Uh, and then the NFL comes and he goes undrafted. Obviously, probably very disappointing for him. He's managed to you know, fight his way into a roster and have a successful career so far. But how did he handle from going being like one of the top guys that everyone wanted to, not being necessarily someone that want, someone wanted on their team with a draft pick? It's easy. We, his, his senior year, we had a lot of talks. One of the things that uh, shows the maturity level is when he came back for that super senior year, uh, as I call it. The COVID year. Mm-hmm. Yes. He came back and was like, Coach, if I want to come back, because I was trying to, if he didn't want to play ball, I think he can be a excellent coach. So I was talking to him about coaching his future uh, besides football. And he was like, well, I want to continue to play ball, but I want to move and play corner extensively my senior year, this, this COVID year. And we decided, okay, that's your spot. Let's roll. He came back um, with that attitude of, I just want to play ball. I want to see how good I can really be with you helping me. That's how, to me, the attitude that he had is what you have when you first start to play. And I think he carried that over into not being drafted and being afraid. Like, I I just want opportunity. Mm -hmm. And you see what happens when you have that type of attitude. Yeah, I agree. I love hearing that, Coach. I And as you just mentioned, that super senior year, he got the extra year of eligibility because of the pandemic, which – 
was absolute chaos for everybody. And I can't imagine being a coach, being a player during that time, because everything kind of shifted the way you you were able to do things. And there was, you know, you were doing COVID tests and there was a lot of virtual stuff going on. Um, But he was able to still work through all of that and also be a leader in the backfield during that time. What two things, what would you say was Jalen's one, some of Jalen's strengths on the field that season to help him carry uh, carry the team a little bit on the de- on the defensive backside, but also his leadership. What does his leadership look like uh, when he was uh, with that position group? I would say both of those. Things. I think the attitude part I mentioned early earlier about uh, him uh, adjusting and saying, "I want to play ball," not for all the reasons that maybe I was playing for before, but when I started playing pop water, I just want to play have fun, enjoy my, my teammates, finish my school, uh, and have fun doing it. Mm-hmm. And that showed, and then it turned into the leadership part where he was not as vocal as before. And so what I used to do is try to get him, you call the guys. If you want to do something extra, if you want to do uh, some more film study, if you want to go on the field, you call them because – you are the leader. You you are the super senior. You handle it. You make this the way you want, how you see it when I'm not around. And he embraced that uh, and took it to another level. Couldn't Couldn't be more proud of him, the way he led last year. Yeah, that's what we like to hear. I know sometimes that some players like to lead with their voices and some players like to lead with their actions. So you see it, especially in that defensive back position, sometimes being a little more vocal. But it, I like to hear that. I just do want to ask, though, because obviously his 2021 season and 10 games, he had 25 total tackles, an interception, three passes defended. And that just doesn't even really explain how well he looked on the f- football field at certain times. When you were watching him coach Buckley that year, did you see him being able to go to the NFL and succeed at that position absolutely uh, as long as he was healthy that was the biggest thing we talked about being healthy training like a pro thinking like a pro now one of the things that i used to do to help guys out like Jalen, we would watch all the top corners and now you get a chance to see where you fit and what's the difference you know i remember watching sauce garden we watching him and seeing him explode off the field uh, you watch Martin Emerson, who you say, okay, tough, he's doing this. And now you get a chance to see where you fit. And we was a bump and run team, which Jalen is – Jalen's kind of like me. We, I was a bump and run guy. But, like, Jalen's best part of his game to me is playing off, using his knowledge of the game, seeing angles, reacting to the ball. And he has, has good hands. Mm-hmm. Not great hands, good hands. He's a good tackler. Uh, and I couldn't see why if you go into the right the right place, that why he wouldn't be able to do a good job. And bam, uh, Chicago drafting, great, great system, first-class program, uh, and it just fit right in for him because he is a very fast guy, too. Yeah, I'd say – I would say, like, with the Bears, honestly, the defense has happened the best this year, but the secondary, I think, is the one thing that most Bears fans can look at and be like, yes, we found solid contending pieces for that. We're going to be there for a while. And I think Jalen has shown this season that he could be one of those pieces. Something I was wondering, though, was in his time at Ole Miss, Jalen had a lot of really talented teammates. Two guys stand on me specifically, Matt Corral, Elijah Moore, 
both made it to the NFL and both, well, Matt has had a little bit of an injury, but was obviously a Heisman contender in the NFL. Elijah Moore has really come on the last few um, weeks here. How much do you think it benefited Jalen going up against guys like that in practice? Oh, tremendously. Uh, just think about it. If, you, if you're trying to get to another level and all of a sudden you have teammates that you know are going to be at that next level, so now you're practicing and talking and training with guys that are next-level player players, and you competing and making your plays and holding your ground against those guys, you're like, okay, well, if they're going to be at their next level, there's no reason why I shouldn't be. I mean, it was very, very competitive uh, in practice, what you just said with those guys. And, and all those guys, maybe not allowed as much, they would talk a little bit. So it, it was fun listening and watching to that battle. Yeah, and Coach, you mentioned earlier about his versatility and being able to play corner and safety. Now, when I, I obviously have not played uh, college football or NFL football, but any time I've talked to a player or a coach, they say that that defensive back position is one of the hardest positions to transfer from college to the NFL because everyone's fast. Receivers are fast. You have to be fast as a corner and fast as a safety. You're covering a lot of field. There's quarterbacks now that are mobile and running everywhere in addition to being able to launch the ball 50, 60 yards down the field. So when you when you are looking at Jalen Jones, do you think that his strength is at corner or do you think he can play corner and safety at a high level? I think he can do both uh, at a high level uh, because once you learn how to play corner and you excel at that, moving to safety is is easier than playing corner. Mm-hmm. So if you start me out at the hardest position and I learn angles, I get the speed of the game and my confidence grows and we learn how to switch uh, techniques and coverages, and if I have to move back to safety, that's not. The toughest part of safety is when you're supposed to be in the deep half of the field or in the deep middle. And when guys start moving around, that you stay in the deep middle or you stay in the deep half. If you can get those that down, as far as technique-wise, it's easier uh, to move to safety. The other tough part is the tackling part of hitting them big backs. Mm-hmm consistently so the physicality of safety would be tougher than corner but as far as technique and understanding of the game and the pressures of the game corner is to me right behind quarterback because quarterback is getting hit you can't see Uh, and the pressure is similar to the quarterback in the corner yeah, now, Coach, looking at that, how because when you look at the Bears this year, our defensive front has struggled. There's a lot of guys up there that there's been injuries. There's just some young guys. It just hasn't quite clicked. How much extra pressure does that put on the safeties and the corners and that secondary? Because right now, there's a lot of young guys, guys out there, and the front is just not holding their own. But the secondary has really been able to do that. But how much extra pressure does that add for them? Man, it's, it works hand in hand. Uh, if, if you're making that quarterback go one snap one, two, two and a half, balls out, then you can create your time in, in the secondary. When you quarterback drops back and it goes one, two, three, four, five, and you're like, oh, my gosh, I have to cover this guy for the full full four or five minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's pretty darn tough. Well, he can run out, adjust, and then 
turn it back in on you. That's when it really gets tough for DBs. Now, if he just gonna run the out, and he knows you can't, he can't turn it back up because we're getting that pressure. Now it makes it very easy for the for the DBs. So the more pressure you get, the easier it is for the DBs. If you're not getting that pressure, the tougher it is for the DBs. Well, our poor DBs, our poor DBs this year, because we have barely been able to pressure the quarterback whatsoever. I think we went six weeks without our defensive line getting a sack, and that is just—you can't do that. No, that's very difficult for those guys. But the young kids, the young kids have held up. Well, you better blitz if you can't do that. You better start adding five, six man pressures. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So something that I think a lot of cornerbacks there's kind of a little bit of reputation going that. They don't always love to tackle, and I think uh, there's a little bit of seen uh, a former uh, Florida State alumni, Deion Sanders, was someone who I think a lot of people would always criticize a little bit for that. Jalen, Jalen, I think is someone who's the exact opposite of that. He's had multiple games with a lot of tackles. He had one game this season with 14 tackles. Is that something that surprises you uh, seeing him to do that in the NFL now? No, not at all. I, like I told you, he played safety for us, uh, and we spent a lot of time. I'm a fundamental coach, so. Mm-hmm. We spent a lot of time tackling, using the sleds, using each other, open field tackling. And if you couldn't tackle in, in what league we played in, they spread you out, go really fast, and you could not tackle in the open field and be a little physical with it, then you couldn't play. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't surprise me at all. It, it's the technique part that most uh, pros – to me, DBs don't execute, and that's one of the things I was really trying to emphasize today. To be a great tackler, use your power foot, use your shoulder, wrap him, get him to the ground. It doesn't matter what happens, get him to the ground. Yeah, which honestly, I th- we've seen that, and uh, we'll get to the Guardians. I just have one more before for you before we get to the Guardians because I mentioned he just said fourteen tackles in one game. Um, he only ha- he has ten games this season, I believe, but only two starts in that. We've had a lot of injuries with the secondary, but coach, one thing that Coach Eberflus loves to do is he loves a sub package defense defense with the extra corner. Um, do you think is that something that Jalen would be able to add to in a defense like that? Absolutely. I think uh, what Jalen brings is the ability to be a starter, to to be a role player at any position. And you're going to love his attitude because he's appreciative. So you have a talented player like Jalen that's willing to do whatever. It, 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 he's a team player. And you just got you cannot be nothing but excited about him and his attitude. Well, I'm excited for that because I'll tell you, Coach. There's a there's not a whole lot of positions that we or position groups that we're completely comfortable with going into this off season. I would say quarterback with Justin Fields and the secondary, uh, maybe our running back group. We don't know what's going on with David Montgomery quite yet, but even that. Those are pretty much it. Everything else needs a lot of work. So we're super excited to see even more of Jalen because the secondary group, I think, will be a lot of fun for years to come. They're all young. They're all fast. They're all physical. They all have leadership roles. And they've all worked a little a little extra hard to get to where they are in the NFL, too, which is really exciting. But let's flip it a bit. Um, I mentioned earlier that you're now the head coach of XFL's Orlando Gla- uh, Guardians, um, which happens to be just down the road from us here in Jacksonville. Tell us a little bit about your roster this season, Coach. What, what's your biggest strength right now? Well, we, we, we just had a full draft. Uh, we had to fill every position. So I would say every position. Because <laughs> we haven't played yet. We 
truly we are excited about all the guys. And uh, when we kick this thing off in February, uh, we're expecting one thing, to go out and play smart, fast, and fearless, like the scoreboard up, and come away victorious. I like that. And so tell me a little bit, because some people may not know a ton about the XFL yet or maybe the ins and outs of it. What about what are some of the more different rules? Are there any major differences that people watching may need to know or even maybe some of these players that have played in the NFL are going to have to kind of relearn some of these things for a new league? Well, no, it's just going to be exciting. It's like uh, it's still football, first of all. A mm-hmm. uh, couple of new rules that's exciting about we got the double pass. It oh wow! Have cool. to be a backward pass. It could, as long as you behind the original line of scrimmage, you can throw it twice. You have uh, overtime rules that I really, really love. Right? You go. It's like soccer. Instead of getting five penalty kicks, you get three attempts to score, and then the other teams get three. Whoever has the most at the end wins. We're not going to do. It's not going to be a tie. Okay. Uh, you can go, let's just take you nine points down uh, in the regular part of the game. You can either obviously kick a field goal. You can go for two points. You can go for three points. So now nine points is not a two-possession game any longer because you can line up, put it on the 10-yard line, and get three points. Oh, wow. Uh, another rule that we added on the punt, we want to bring punt and kick, kick off. We want to bring the return game back. Yeah. So kicking it out of bounds is going to be – you're going to get penalized. You're going to get the ball on the 45-yard line. Mm-hmm. So – and on punch, you cannot leave until the ball is kicked. Great, great punt return. I want to say last time, that's going to add probably five to seven more yards of return. Mm-hmm. And – Eight or uh, nine more of those, like, wow, he almost broke that. <laughs> so more space to work. To yeah. Yes. Uh, and the last thing, if you want to go offside, we got two options at the end of the game. You can go offside, traditional offside kick, or you can line up and go fourth and 15, which replaces the offside kick. Because fourth and 15 percentage-wise, you have a chance of making that higher. It's a higher percentage than doing an offside kick. So we have a bunch of we have a few rules that's mm-hmm. going to have you sitting on the edge of your seat. I love that it. I'm excited about. I love it. That's super fun. Yeah, it's always really cool to see like you have all these really fun experimental things that pop up from all these other leagues, and usually you see the NFL end up adopting a few of them. So it'd be really cool to see that end up happening. Um, something that I was wondering though. Uh, so for the XFL, it's had a little bit of a history to it so far. It was owned by the WWE. Now you got Dwayne The Rock Johnson running it. How do you feel about him in the, going forward as the head of the XFL in the direction you guys are headed at? Man, I'm excited. Before what you said, uh, let me back before COVID, the, the AFL, which is a reboot 2.0, was, was being successful, rating-wise, fans, uh, then COVID hit. Uh, and then WWE uh, put it up for the, the bankruptcy thing. This one here, sometimes out of bankruptcy in this situation, you come out, we have three entities that's running this league now versus one. You have Dwayne Rock Johnson, you have Danny Garcia, the first chairwoman, with her name on the ball, is running the day-to-day operations. I like to hear that. Bag- like to- yes, 
and I'm gonna tell you, she is unbelievable, awesome. Design all the the uniforms and everything. Then you have this financial group, uh, Redbird Capital, that's funding it that is worth, you know, a couple of billions. So we have the people around that surrounding this, along with the coaches, the other coaches that I'll be competing with. These are my Hall of Fame coaches, Hall oh, yeah. of Fame players uh, that knows football, that understand what it takes, that are good people. So we are very, very excited about this. And being in Orlando, uh, we're a professional football team. Uh, is going to come and bring that electricity for Orlando, City of Orlando. You have the people there that want to support it. I think it's a, a win-win situation for everybody. Yeah, I agree, Coach, and I think that what I see out of this for you, too, is that uh, you are not scared of a challenge because back in college you went from Mississippi State to Ole Miss, and then now you're here in the XFL. So I, I feel like you like a bit of a challenge, Coach. Uh, I'm, I, I do, and and this opportunity came about. Uh, I was still on the contract with Ole Miss, and I'm like, man, I want to be a head coach. And the way college is going, uh, you guys know moving from a corner coach to a defense coordinator, to a head coach, uh, is is the opportunities are not there. Even though you know ball, mm-hmm. you do all the recruiting, you do everything they ask you to do, but you don't get the opportunity. So for me, the XFL is not only an opportunity for players, it's an opportunity for coaches. And Dwayne Rock explains that he's that 54th player that, did not get that opportunity. He wanted to provide that opportunity for us. And I'm I'm forever grateful. I love it. I love the opportunities. I love second chances. I love third chances. Uh, Coach, so season kicks off February 18th. I'm seeing when do you guys hit camp and how do we get tickets? How do we come see you? Well, you get tickets from xfl.com slash tickets. Uh, we are setting the schedule. Should be announced next week. We're waiting on one little thing from Las Vegas to be finalized. We start camp January 4th, the player uh, coaches report, the players report January 6th. We have camp. We do a little ramp-up thing to make sure they're healthy. Uh, we have a hub in Arlington that has all the trainers, the nutritionists, the equipment, everybody else so they get treated the same way. And the season kicks off February 18th. Go Guardians. Go Guardians. Oh, I got this. <laughs> there you go. Hey, I mean, for when the Super Bowl's over and there's no more NFL, the XFL is going to be right there football. for you. So, yeah. like, if you're wasting football, it's going to be there. And it sounds like it's going to be a pretty good product. So, I'm excited to watch. Yes, I think it's going to be an excellent product. We're getting NFL, former NFL players, guys that's on uh, practice squads currently, some guys that didn't make it coming from the Canada, uh, other spots. And we are actually training and doing installs right now the quality is going to be top-notch. Well, I am excited, and as I mentioned earlier, we will actually start doing stuff a little bit here at 1010XL um, because we do this Bears podcast, but we both work at 1010XL also, and we are going to start covering some stuff, throwing you in our sports updates, hopefully have you on one of the shows too once the season kicks off. So good luck, Coach, and thanks so much for joining us to talk about Jalen. Well, thank you. Anytime, Anytime you guys want me on, you guys are awesome. I appreciate you. I am available. All right. right. Love it, Coach. We appreciate you. Have have a good day. Merry Christmas. 
All right. Well, thanks to Coach Westerberg and Coach Buckley. Uh, it's just full on Texas man. Oh, Westerberg yeah. was. It's different um, down there. <laughs> he's so funny. He rem- it really hearing him reminded me. Like, that's why I mentioned Friday Night Lights. I felt like I was talking to one of the coaches from Friday Night Lights. I was Coach so, Taylor. Yes, I was so obsessed with that show. And I was like, I feel like I am talking to Coach Taylor right now. Um, but one word he said a million times, and I know you it's coach talk, but they don't just freely say it if they don't mean it. And work ethic is I mean, a word he said. There's a said. reason he was captain twice. Yes. And he was, I, I think it really did. And I didn't. I didn't realize how big Allen High was before I started looking into this. It's like a small college, pretty much. Yeah, and you said you had heard of it and stuff. And I obviously know Texas Pump uh, has these types of high schools all over. But I think that is potentially what is helping Jalen so much. Because Jalen, like he said, in high school was playing against guys who were all going to college and playing football. All, several of them in the NFL. He has pictures standing with Kyler Murray and offensive linemen that are now in the NFL. And so I think that helps. You know, like some of the kids we talk to are in these tiny little schools in the middle of nowhere. And like maybe they have a few people who go to college within, you know, five, six years or get recruited and scholarships and all of that stuff. Um, But these are ones that are constantly seeing all the players around them go. So that, number one, probably makes them work a little harder because they're like, okay, well, there's a group of – whatever 15 of the 22 starters are all going to play college because we're all really good so i need to work hard to get noticed um number two you're playing against good talent constantly and that helps you're playing at high level talent all the time and so when you go to college and you're playing at Ole miss and although maybe it's not the top notch the top of the top it's the sec it's It's the sec yeah Yeah. and when you are playing no matter where you are in the sec you are at some point playing some of the best you are look at the receivers at alabama yeah like look at the receivers at lsu like yes so it's you're definitely having competition there and then then you're in the nfl and this kid went undrafted but it sounds like from what coach westberg and coach buckley said that that probably didn't it didn't face him too much. I'm sure it kind of sucked. You always want to see your name get called on, on draft day. But it sounds like he's the type of guy who will just use that as motivation. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And like I'd say like the coolest thing that I think I've realized throughout all of our time doing this podcast is just the crazy different paths that people mm-hmm. take to go in the NFL. You know, a guy got like Demarcus Robinson in the middle of nowhere, Ohio, playing quarterback for Do- a not— Do- Dominique. Dominique. DeMarcus. Dominique Robinson, not Demarcus. <laughs> Dominique Robinson— uh, playing quarterback for some nobody school in Ohio, yeah. gets one offer to go to college, switches from wide receiver, ends up being like being a Dan in the NFL. Yeah, got a guy like Jaquan, you know, he's just really good in high school, ends up going to a JUCO, goes to uh, Penn State, gets to the NFL. Yeah, you got like a guy like Jalen, you know, super big recruit out of SEC, going yeah. out of Texas, goes to an SEC school, ends up being undrafted, gets mm-hmm. to the NFL. So yeah. like, it's very cool to see that like it's not like a linear path for yeah. everyone. You know, it's and- up and down, and you know it. It still gets you know to the NFL's end goal, and like if you get there, it's all that matters. Yeah, and we could literally go through every one of our episodes, and some of them had some kind of path that got shifted at some point. Even the Roquan episode, which we didn't get to air, he picked UCLA. He committed to UCLA and ended up going to Georgia, and that probably changed a lot for Roquan's future. Would we be talking about Roquan Smith the way we do now if he went to UCLA and not Georgia? I'm not sure. Justin Fields was the top quarter, one of the top quarterbacks in his class, not even top quarterback, top prospects in his class, mm-hmm. and was told, you're not good enough to start here. Yeah. And then transferred someplace else. Yeah. So he like, said, okay, bye. I'll show yeah, you I like, am. Yeah. <laughs> so like, it's, 
very much just because like you're one of those top rated recruit guys like a guy like Jalen like, was. All right, Kirby. Was that it, Kirby at the yeah, time? Yeah, that was Kirby. Okay. Mistake, mistake, mistake. Yeah, Kirby. But uh, yeah, it's it's very interesting to see all these paths and all these different guys. And yeah. at the end of the day, it's just you got to be athletic as hell and you got to work hard. And yeah. all these guys definitely are all those things. So. Oh, for sure. And that's what I that's why I really want to do the David Montgomery episode because his story is really good too. I'm not going to get into detail obviously here, but David Montgomery went through a lot in his high school career to be able to um, continue to play football and because there was a lot of family stuff going on. And we've talked about some other players this year too. I believe Travis had a lot of family stuff that kind of altered and he had to push through and work past. And um, it, so all of these guys, like you said, like they, they just have a determination, a different level of determination. And that's why they are where they are. And that's why we're doing this podcast. That's why we made Making Monsters because we wanted – you guys, the listeners, to be able to know these guys beyond what they're doing on the football field. It's easy to watch them on Sunday and get mad because somebody give, lets A.J. Brown catch a 68-yard pass. It's easy to get mad when we haven't, when we see Sam Mustafer disappear and run around like he's lost and someone sacked Justin Fields for the 43rd time. Um, but sometimes it's nice to take a step away from that and look at all these these kids had to do to get to where they are. And that's the thing, they are kids. Like yeah. the Bears, everyone is young. Like yeah. it's not like you're like bullying an adult. Yeah. Like it's for the most part, like they're children comparison yeah. to most Bears fans. And it definitely is, it's hard to criticize people sometimes when you're just like, oh yeah, like, this is an actual person too with like a real story and like problems in their life and all of this. But at the same time, like it's not always the easiest to watch bad play. But I definitely think it's a lot easier to see the bad play happen and be like, oh, I'll give him a little bit of a break, knowing what it's like they had to go through. So Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's I think that's a good way of putting it because we've like you said, we've covered a lot of different paths this year. The one thing that I kept noticing as I was doing getting ready for this Jalen Jones episode, there is like a kid that plays for Texas A and M right now called Jalen Jones. Jones. Yep, I, everywhere. And yep. he's like his name kept popping up. I was like, not that Jalen Jones. I want Jalen Jones Chicago Bears or Jalen Jones Ole Miss. Um, but this kid kept popping up, so I'm guessing he's a pretty good football player because when you, as soon as you type in Jalen Jones, the college kid pops up over the. Pro kids sometimes. Yeah, honestly, I'm just impressed myself that I only said Jalen Johnson instead of Jalen Jones once this episode. At and least then you as said far Demarcus as I'm aware. Robinson, but it's yeah. fine. <laughs> you know, we don't need to talk about that. I think I'm pretty sure there's like a basketball. There's some. There's a Demarcus Robinson. Out That's there. what I thought I it was think, a famous basketball, I think like a basketball player. You should player. know that before. I'm pretty I do. sure it's a basketball player named Demarcus Robinson. Um, um, yeah. But. All right. Well, uh, let's talk a little bit about this weekend. It's the Buffalo Bills. Their defense is really good. It's Josh Allen. Um, did you see the question where they asked? Justin Fields, if he ever watches Josh Allen tape. And no. Yeah, I, I saw it. He's just like, no. He's like, like he's, nah. he's like, I mean, they're very different styles of quarterback. Yeah. Like, they're definitely both big arm mobile guys, but yeah. they're mobile in different ways. Like, yeah. Justin Fields is a big guy, but like, he has a lot more elusiveness than a guy mm -hmm. like Josh Allen does. And Josh Allen's just like, I don't care. I'll run you over. Like, yeah. and I'll do it again and again and again. Yeah. And like, I'll do it with a smile on my face. And that's what's so funny to me. So everyone is so critical. And I've seen a lot the last couple of weeks about Justin Fields and like, it's not sustainable what he's doing, blah, blah, blah. And then someone made a full on like five minute reel of all the hits Josh Allen has taken. And they were like, you want to talk about Justin Fields? Like Justin Fields is avoiding hits and he's trying to slide and majorly avoid the hit and keeps getting hit because these guys don't know how to follow the rules and no one wants to throw a flag. But Josh Allen is like, I mean, diving over people, flipping upside down, crashing into linemen, full speed head on, like and you're going to tell me that that's more sustainable than what Justin's doing right now? I just don't. I get he can't stand behind a line that's letting him get sacked 45 times and then also having to rush for 150 yards. I get that. But 
the reason he's doing that right now is because we have nobody to There's throw no the ball other to. options. It's, <laughs> it's just like, like, what do you want him to do? Just stand there? You're the only guy we trust to have the ball in their hands consistently. So it's just like, dude, do what you got to do, man. Like, yeah. throw it, run it, like, whatever the hell happens. Like, you got whatever you got to do, just get, get it done. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, this weekend's going to be very interesting. I don't know really what to expect because I thought, I truly thought the Eagles were going to put up like 50 on us and they didn't. Yeah. Um, so the defense is starting to find some pace. Maybe they'll be able to do that again to where it's not just like a complete smackdown. Um, but obviously, I think Claypool's still going to be out. They activated Cleo Herbert. Who knows how much he's going to actually play, though. So once again this weekend, we are going to be seeing Equinemia, St. Brown, Dante Pettis, Nikhil Harry, I think, is supposed to be back. I think he's he's back, been yeah. injured. Um, Cole Komet, hopefully uh, we saw a lot, and then he kind of died down. So hopefully maybe we'll see a little Komet. Um, but as we talk about every week, the last few weeks, we don't really want to win at this point. I mean, I don't, I don't want, honestly, I don't want them to be calling as many design runs for Justin's at this point yeah. in the season. At, like, I get doing it in the middle of the year and, like, trying to, you know, see mm-hmm. if we can do it, develop the offense, but, like, what's the point? Yeah. You know, like, let him air the ball out. Let him see what he can do with that. At this yeah. point, we know he knows how to run the ball. We know it works. Yeah. Why let him take the extra hits at this point? Yeah, which I think that's what they did against... What, what who was it that he threw like 250 against oh there's the Packers yeah um that's what I think they did with the Packers they yeah. were like stop we don't want you to get hurt I don't yeah. think you're 100 percent even last week he had the cramp like you know yeah. or whatever it was like that scared me a lot yeah he started like, limping and I was like oh god here we go yeah and like Trevor Simeon yeah. Nathan Peterman no because Simeon's on IR <laughs> yeah Nathan Peterman and he did throw a pass or two during that time because they had to stretch him out or whatever yeah um but yeah every time Justin stands up I'm like oh Jesus please be okay um so, I don't know. There's not much that I think you can expect from this game at this point. I think we know who Justin Fields is, ca- is capable, what Justin Fields is capable of and who he can be. We know he is our future. He's our franchise quarterback. Iberflus said it the other day. Out of his own mouth, the head coach of the Chicago Bears said Justin Fields is a franchise quarterback. There's no question about that, even though some people on Twitter or t- Twitter trolls want to say that the Bears should still draft a quarterback if they're sitting or at top two. he's the franchise running back. Yeah, you know, like, stuff, yeah, like, you know stuff like that. Shut it's up. ridiculous. You guys, I... And so what's funny, before we let everyone go, so obviously we work here at 1010XL in Jacksonville, Florida, the flagship of the Jaguars, and the other day we were sitting in there on break, and one of the guys who actually, Mike DiRocco, he, is, he works for ESPN, but covers the Jags for ESPN, and he was like, so Taylor... Would you trade Trevor Lawrence for Justin Fields right now? And I paused, and one of the other guys started laughing and was like, so that's a yes. And I was like, if I'm being honest with you, I don't think it would make a difference. I also think, I actually think the Bears would be worse. Yeah. And they all were like, what? No way. And I was like, if you put Trevor Lawrence on a team, and I I was like, let's rewind to last year. What was your excuse for Trevor Lawrence last year other than Urban Meyer was the fact that he had nobody to throw to and everybody kept dropping passes. So you guys were saying, well, Trevor Lawrence can't be good with no receivers and when everyone's dropping passes. And that's what's happening in Chicago right now. I was like, in addition, Justin Fields has been sacked 45 or 46 times now. I was like, Trevor Lawrence, every game that he has been pressured and sacked, he looks terrible. And I was like, so put Justin Fields on an offense where he's getting sacked 45 times. He has no one to throw the ball to. And in addition to their dropping the balls, and tell me what he would have been able to do because he can't run the way Justin is. He's not getting out of sacks the way Justin is. He's not as fast as Justin is. And I was like, put Justin Fields in Jacksonville right now, and some of those games that you lost, you would have won. I think they'd be like without a doubt in the playoffs right now. Yeah. But hey, something else I want to say is we play the Eagles, they play the Eagles, Justin played pretty well, Trevor Lawrence had five turnovers. So, yeah. you know, you know, 
Just take from that whatever uh, you want to take. We beat the Texans. They lost to the Texans. Granted, it wasn't Justin, but yeah. those were uh, our run game, which has been helping. Yeah. Um. There, there's been several comparisons this year to games where you're like to play each other for the first time in the yeah. NFL. I'm really pumped for that. Even like Dallas, they ended up coming back and beating Dallas. They were down 17, but the Bears scored 40. On was that what it Some, was? Yeah, 30, it was one of those games where like we were high just, on 40. Yeah. So. Like, Justin Fields was doing that against Dallas, too. The problem is the Bears' defense couldn't stop Dallas, and Jags' defense had three or four turnovers, and Rayshon Jenkins had a turnover to win the game in overtime. So it's like the difference is your defense is making stops when they need to to win certain games, and the difference is you have Christian Kirk, who's having a career year right now, and Evan Ingram has had a career year. Revitalation, honestly. Yeah. yeah. And Zay Jones is having a career year this year, and is. Trevor definitely helping that for sure. I think Trevor's great. I think Trevor's going to be great. I'm not saying that. I'm just tired of the comparisons of like Trevor is a mile like mile better than Justin Fields. Like Trevor is so much better than Justin or the people saying Justin is so much better than Trevor because I don't think so. I think they're very good quarterbacks. They're both in very different situations right now. They're both very different quarterbacks. I mean, like their yeah. their numbers are never to me going to be similar because Justin is going to have the rushing side that Trevor does not. Yeah, I think something else you got to take a factor to is like the Jaguars are a year ahead of schedule in yeah. terms of what's going on with the Bears. Like mm-hmm. they already had the the offseason we're expecting to have this offseason. They did that last year. <laughs> yeah. So they're already, you know, they spent their money, they yeah. got their guys and they had a ton of money. They had two first round draft picks which yeah. might have not been the picks they should have made, but they had they went and were able to spend money and the Bears just couldn't do that. So if we'll see. Like yeah. next year it's now be a big that we year. have $125 million or whatever it is, we have our draft picks. We all have a top five pick. And uh, now it's just Justin Fields will have some weapons to throw with. Iberflus will now has made his decision. Like, this is our guy. We know certain pieces like the secondary. We know Tevin. We know Braxton. We know Khalil. We know all of these little links that we didn't have a year ago. Yeah. Um, because really, when you look at this roster, who was here a year ago? Darnell. Almost no one. Monty, it's like five guys. Eddie, like honestly, yeah. the ones that are starting right now. So, um, anyways, that just brought it brought to my head because when they said that, it really made me think. Because honestly, at first, I wanted to say Trevor Lawrence because I was like, well, Trevor has been like crazy he's, good. He's the been last better at four throwing the ball. I yeah. would say. Right. I mean, he I think has almost eighty percent accuracy. Like yeah. he's been nailing, and he threads the needle. I will say a lot though, when Trevor Lawrence misses, he misses bad. Yeah. Like he will just sail some of those yeah, passes, which I just don't get, but but 80% yeah. of them he's nailing. Oh yeah. So that's that's the difference is but he also like I said I think has those weapons. There was multiple throws this last game where Say Jones or Christian Kurt, like wide open. Yeah. Our receivers are never wide open. That does yeah. not happen in Chicago. Hey, like maybe, maybe I think this... it's happened like three times this year when I've seen it. I'm like, whoa, like the one to commit when oh, he yeah, launched it. it and we were like, I was like, where's he throwing? And I was like, oh, Cole Komet is wide open. That doesn't happen to us a lot though. Yeah. That's why we need a guy like a T. Higgins or uh what is the other one that we were talking about the other day? Like the other receiver that we would Hope they trade for. Um, um, tra- oh, oh, I, Jerry Judy. That's yeah. what I wanted. Jerry Judy, T. Like I would love T. Higgins, but we're I don't know. But it's not going to be a free agent. It's going to be someone we're going to have to trade some compensation for, and somewhat with a team who can't afford everything they have. Or and, we'll draft a guy. But like, draft. we'll see what happens. Which, and that. I think they'll still draft a receiver. But yeah. I still want to vet somebody who's oh, yeah. been in the league a few I agree. years. You know. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, we'll see how this Bill, Bills game goes. Um, we'll probably all, get our asses kicked. But hey, <clears throat> yeah. hey, Bears fans, just close your eyes and picture Jalen. Carter and Will Anderson in the Bears uniform, and you'll feel instantly better. So well, you never know. Last year, 
Uh, the Bills lost to the Jags nine six. Hey, and, I was I was I was saying that. I remember before the, the couple yeah. weeks ago, I was like, I don't know if we're gonna win, man. Like you know, you never know. Yeah, so, like yeah, it, it it'll be very interesting, and it's supposed to be cold, cold, cold. Like negative eleven feels yeah. like they're saying that to me seems like you'll be running the ball yeah. a lot, so will, you're not I, having yeah. to count on um, Josh Allen. That Stefan Diggs, Josh Allen, because it's going to be cold. It's going to be just that like full on Chicago Bear Soldier Field weather. So maybe that'll help things like not look as bad. <laughs> Let's just hand the ball off to David a bunch. I'm yeah, okay with that. Yeah, to David. Yeah. Luckily, it'll get warmed up a little yeah. bit out there. And I'll be back in town supporting them in the cold weather themselves. So, you know, Are it'll you going be to okay. the game? Uh, no. Okay. Well, I. If I got free tickets to that game, I wouldn't go to that game. Really? Why? It's, oh, I'd I be would. freezing my ass off. I don't care. I could watch. I could sit at home, have a nice meal. You know, it's, it's Christmas. <laughs> like, oh, I don't care. I would go. Yeah. I guess it's different because, like, you were up there for so long, so you dealt with the cold for so long. Oh, yeah. Like, I don't mind because. I hadn't lived there since I was young. So to me, whenever I go back, I'm like, I can deal with the cold for a day because I barely ever have to deal with the cold. Yeah. For but, me, I, if they were better, I would yeah, yeah. go. But if I'm just it was like, like a game that mattered. Oh, yeah. I would go for sure. It doesn't matter what the weather is. But freeze my ass off in three degree weather or sit at home with a nice meal and watch the game. I think I'm going to do that <laughs> instead. All right. Well, this is Making Monsters, Jalen Jones episode. Uh, thanks for listening, guys. Uh, we'll talk to you next week. And if you do have any ideas of who you want the next monster to be, we do have two more weeks of player picks two right yeah two well, three technically because we'll have one after so we have three more games um so three wait, more wait, isn't it two more games oh no two more games three well are we counting the bills game yeah okay never mind because yeah, we'll games. have okay. we always do it after you know okay. oh yeah, yeah you're so right we'll yeah, have yeah, after yeah, the bills yeah, yeah, game yeah, yeah. after the lions and after the texans okay. so three more so if you want to send us an idea of who you would like to know more about on the chicago bears um go ahead and tweet us message us whatever the case may be there's still a decent amount of players we don't have but go back and listen to the ones you haven't heard and make sure we haven't already done an episode on them but anyways again i'm taylor doll that's dylan ryan this is making monsters for windy city gridiron we will catch you guys next week see you then